Well, hello, everybody. Welcome in to another podcast episode of the Remnant Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Larry Raglan, and we come to you with every one of these broadcasts with an earnest desire to equip the remnant, the last day remnant that is rising, the promised remnant that is rising. In the midst of a falling away, in the midst of chaos, in the midst of people walking away from church, walking away from God, there is a remnant that's stepping up as well. And they have a mandate on them. We have a mandate on us. And that's why God put this mandate on me to create this podcast called the Remnant Leadership Podcast. And if you don't already do this, wherever you are uh, getting your podcasts, whatever app you're using, make sure that you follow this uh, so that we can be put into your library and on your app, give us a five-star review. That would help us tremendously uh, to reach as many people and to encourage as many pastors, leaders, five-fold ministry gifts as possible. That's our heart. That's what we're trying to do here. Um, and then, of course, share this bo- this broadcast, this podcast. It would be a blessing. Today, we're going to talk about a subject that is dear to my heart, being um, the director and founder of Ambassadors Network, a network of pastors that we have uh, where we just pour into pastors, equip the pastors. and But more than anything, we are in relationship with these pastors and leaders, not just pastors, but also um, evangelists, teachers, laypersons in the church, people that are serving God, quite frankly, if they're still serving God in this environment, they're wore out. So, you know, and if you're listening to a podcast called the Remnant Leadership Podcast and you've got this far, you know, you're searching, you're searching, you're, 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 look, you're crying out for help. Um, you're either wore out, you're confused, you're battling things, you're, you're battling depression. So many pastors and leaders are, and I keep saying pastors, but I mean, ministers and leaders that are serving God, they're battling not only depression, but many of them are battling, uh, suicidal thoughts, uh, their marriage is in trouble, their relationship with their children is in trouble. And it's just the way the enemy works. He just slow, it's like a drip, drip, drip process to just wear you out. And that's the, that's the enemy's intention to wear you out. But today I want to talk about the subject is the remnant must finish strong. The remnant must finish strong. So I want to encourage you. I'm not going to try to just whitewash what you're going through. I'm not going to just sort of take it for granted that you being a man or a woman of God, you're just going to be able to get over it. Okay, I, I know that that's the the mindset that most preachers are are told and taught. Just get over it. Just get over it. You're, you're fake it till you make it. I get it. I mean, I understand that sometimes you just can't never let them see you sweat. Sometimes you got to fight your internal things that you're battling, uh, do the ministry, don't spend so, so much time acknowledging the attack, and then have somebody to talk to, hold you accountable, pray with you after the fact. But you got to be strong in that moment. Philippians 1, 1 uh, excuse me, Philippians 1, 6 says this, being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you, listen to the words, will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to get this until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, when Philippians was wrote, Jesus had already lived, he had already died, and he had already been raised from the dead, and at this time, the church was growing and flourishing. 
So this is not talking about until the day that Jesus Christ walked on the earth. Come on, think about it. So he's talking about the day of Jesus Christ is the day of the return of Christ, the day that the dispensation of the church ends, the day that this thing called the church age winds down, and then we start beginning to move into the eternal kingdom realm. So let's read it again. Being confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you. How awesome is that, that Paul, when writing to the church of Philippi, he is making sure that it's personal. It's not just saying he that began a good work in the corporate body. He that began a good work in you. I want you to know that ministry is is corporate-focused. Ministry is sometimes crowd-focused. Sometimes ministry is big-picture-focused in the sense that, you know, God calls you to minister to people. He doesn't just call you to, he doesn't call you to minister to yourself. The anointing doesn't come on you for you. The anointing comes on you to set the captive free, uh, to preach the gospel. The Bible says, how can anyone believe in what they have not heard? And how can they hear without a preacher? How can the preacher preach unless he be sent? So this is all a part of the plan of God. So we're very confident of this very thing. We are confident of this very thing, comma, what thing? That he who began a good work in you. Can I be frank with you? Not he who is a preacher now because their daddy was a preacher or their granddaddy was a preacher or that, you know, you hear people, I'm a fifth generation preacher. Nothing wrong with that. But that's not, that's not what's going to get completed. Uh, everything that you're trying to do, this is not a promise that everything that you are trying to do is going to be complete. No, the promise is that the, the, the things that he, is, that he has begun in you is what's going to be completed. And he says it's, we're confident this will always be the case until the day of Jesus Christ, until the day that this thing is winding down. Now, some of you may not like different versions of the Bible, but I, I like to, you know, I want to I be balanced. And I know some versions I don't particularly care for. But one version that I love is the message version. And I love how it just sort of helps my, my simple mind understand things a little bit better sometimes. Listen to what the same verse, Philippians 1, 6, says this. There has never been the slightest doubt in my mind that the God who started this great work in you would keep at it, would keep at it and bring it to a flourishing finish on the very day Christ Jesus appears, would bring it to a flourishing finish. Can I tell you something? People are depressed about the church. They are downtrodden about the church. They think the church is weak. Well, quite frankly, the church has been weak, and especially the Americanized version of the church is weak. When if, and if that's all you know, you don't even understand what the church is supposed to look like. Quite frankly, you got to get on a plane and fly to a third world country to see the church operating the way it did in the book of Acts. But, you know, it is what it is. That's what we got to deal with. But the reality is this, through this thing that we just went through over the last uh, couple of years that caused people to sort of uh, slide away from the church, we're seeing what the Bible prophesied to be a great falling away. Um, but we, if you'll study the word of God, you'll see that there is a remnant. That's why this podcast is called the remnant leadership podcast. The remnant is always very, very small. The remnant is a lot of times the least likely, the ones that was thrown away. But, you know, I want you to get this until the very day Christ Jesus appears. Do you think Jesus is going to come back for a church 
that is weak and anemic and powerless? No. I'm not saying that God is causing all these people to, to leave the church. I mean, that's a whole other podcast about why they're leaving the church. But the reality is this. There is a purging happening, and there is a remnant that remains. And in that remnant, God said that remnant's going to be powerful. He's going to pour out his spirit on all flesh. Inside that remnant, your sons and your daughters are going to prophesy. Inside that remnant, your old men are going to dream dreams. Your young men are going to see visions. Inside that remnant, uh, Joel said, I'll restore the years that the canker worm, uh, the locust, the canker worm, the caterpillar, the palmer worm have eaten. That's powerful. They're going to restore the years, man. So God's coming back for a powerful church. And, um, you know, it's not real big. It's going to, it's going to be a small church, but uh, I don't mean it's going to necessarily end small because we're going to have a great outpouring. But that great outpouring can't happen until that downsize happens. And when that downsize is happening right before our very eyes and we're experiencing it in ministry, whether you're a pastor or a, a traveling revivalist, uh, itinerant preacher, uh, whether you are over a network or, or even if you serve in a church on the leadership team, you've, you've seen it. You've seen people that you've seen at church for years just going away. They're just tired. They're wore out. They're, they've checked out. They don't think they need church anymore. Well, that's what, that's what the enemy, that's the long game. you got to understand something about the devil. The devil's stupid, okay? Let's just tell it like it. He's stupid. He's an idiot. He's nasty. He's got bad breath. He's got bad hair. I say it all the time. If the Lord let me cuss him out, I'd cuss him out. But, I mean, I'm not a cussing guy, okay? So I'm, I'm, a, I'm not going to go that far. But I'm going to say everything bad I can say about him. I hate that devil. I hate that stinking thing. Uh, but – the enemy is consistent. I'll give him that, and he plays the long game. Uh, he knows he can't just come right in church and walk right up as the devil at the pulpit and just start instituting his policies. No, he's just going to slowly but surely. It's just like that old analogy of the frog in the kettle. You know, if you got boiling water and you throw the frog in there, that frog's going to go, ah, and that frog's going to rip it, and it's going to jump out. Uh, but you know, the whole, <laughs> I've never done this, so I don't know if this actually will happen, but I've heard this um, analogy all my life that if you put a frog just in lukewarm water and let him sit there and slowly turn up the heat, he'll just, he'll just think he's in a sauna or something. He's just, ch- he's just chilling out in the whirlpool and all this. And mm, look, these cool bubbles, man, they're making my legs feel good and all this kind of, he just kicks back and he thinks he's just on, on a vacation what you don't realize is being bold to death. Okay. So that's what sort of what we've seen happen over a generation. And it was a drip, 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 drip. But how many knows that that drip in that sink that you don't fix and you just keep letting it drip over time, that drip starts getting more and more and more. And then eventually it becomes a small stream. And that's what's happening. We're seeing people who have been playing church, uh, this this was the quick way to expose them, and quite frankly, many of them were already on their way out, and this made it easy for them to slide out. But I want to read a couple more scripture to you and share my heart on a couple more things, and and we'll wind this one down. Hebrews chapter twelve is one of my favorite chapters in, in all of scripture. I preach from it all the time. Uh, of course, Hebrews chapter ten and eleven, I love them too. Uh, one being the Hall of Faith is what we call it. But uh, where we get now, faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. 
But Hebrews 12 is the chapter that ends with everything that can be shaken will be shaken until that which cannot be shaken remains. And I think that's what's happening right now. But watch how chapter 12, verse 1 begins. It says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside, listen, every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Verse 2, Hebrews chapter 12. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher, say that with me, finisher of our faith who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Let me tell you something. There was a book that came out years ago and turned into a curriculum called Lead Like Jesus. Man, Jesus' ministry lasted for three and a half years. But my goodness, he changed everything. He changed the world. His ministry so impacted the world in which he walked and ministered. I mean, they started counting time over based on his birth. I mean, you've got before Christ, you've got, you know, A.D., you've got B.C. and A.D. Right in the middle of it is the birth of Christ. I mean, what you, you can't change a world more than people just stop counting and start counting over when you came into the world. Well, he's God. He was the word that became flesh and dwelt among us. And I've often said a lot of people can't really understand the power of miracles being possible in your own life because you said well that's jesus jesus did miracles but i'm not i'm not jesus i'll never be jesus well you got that right but don't forget that jesus said to his disciples which were just common men just like you and i these works that you see me do you shall do also and greater shall you do if i go to my father so he tells us look what i'm trying to do is help you understand i'm not doing anything that i am not going to empower you to do as well so he led by example. He went about doing good, healing all who were oppressed of the devil. And his, some of his last commands, if you'll think about it, as he's, you know, he's resurrected, he's showing himself to disciples and, and, and to others of his followers. Some of his last commands is, of course, the Great Commission. Matthew chapter 28, Mark chapter 16. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And then he, in Mark he says, lay hands upon the sick. In my name, cast out devils. He goes on. I mean, he just basically says, these are things you saw me do. And I'm reminding you before my feet leave this ground and I and I disappear in the clouds until I see you again in heaven. And until I come back down here and rapture my church, I need you to make sure everybody that's left down here with you when you see me disappear in the clouds is reminded of what I told all of you. And that is everything I did. I did so you could follow my example. This is one of the things I love to say is that Jesus is God. He's all God, but he's all man. You've heard that all your life, but watch what this really means. What this really means is that when Jesus was here on this earth, he never did anything as God who happened to be a man. He did everything as man who happened to be God. So in other words, The miracles that he did here on this earth, he did not do them as God, even though all miracles come from God. He he illustrated how to work in miracles as a man, as a human, man or woman, in his anointing. He's trying to say, look, if you'll just follow my example, then you'll be able to do what I'm doing. Okay? 
That's how miracles work. Miracles work in the name of Jesus, but we, but it is our hands. He says, you'll lay your hands upon the sick and they shall recover. Well, he doesn't lay his hand on them. He lays, you lay your hand on them and he moves through you. And you got to have the authority and the confidence that that's how a miracle works. But watch this. Let's go a little further than that. I want to read this verse again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let, we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, meaning multiple meanings there. But one meaning that jumps out at me is that we have generation and after generation, hundreds and thousands of years of church history that are our foundation that go all the way back to the disciples and, of course, all the way back to, to Jesus himself that has been built on for all these generations it's in our spiritual DNA. Miracles have always existed. They have not died off. And you, can, you can come at me if you want to on this podcast. But I'm going to tell you something. Your, your argument's going to fall on, on deaf ears because a man with an argument is always at the mercy of a man with an experience. Okay? I've had an experience with God. I've encountered miracles. I've walked in miracles. I've seen cancers disappear. It's not hype. And I'm not talking about just a, uh, a little skin cancer um dot on your skin disappear i'm talking about brain tumors x-rays before brain covered in tumors another x-ray after we prayed no brain tumors i've seen blinded eyes open i've heard i've i've witnessed a 30 year old man who'd never heard a single word in either of his ears have his hearing completely restored confirmed by his family i've been there i've seen that so what's what so we follow that example watch this so we got the cloud of witnesses as our foundation he said, maybe the reason that you're wore out, maybe the reason that you're not seeing the miracles, maybe the reason that you're checking out is because, quite frankly, you're a little overweight. And But I can speak with, I can speak with authority on this because most of my entire life I've been overweight in the natural. And I can tell you the more you get overweight, the, the less in, in shape you are, the less you can do for God. Uh, your speed slows down. Your body hurts more. You want to take more naps? Does this sound familiar in the spirit realm? But he said, we're supposed to lay aside every way. Why would you be so fat in the spirit? It's because most people, especially in the Americanized church, they go to church, they eat, they eat, they eat. Their pastor feeds them, feeds them, feeds them, feeds them. They eat, they eat, they eat. And then they go out and they never give it away. And they never exercise that faith. And they just get fatter and fatter and fatter. Watch this. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church, the sin. That means there's sin in the church. There's definitely sin in the church. There's sin in the camp. Revival can't come to the world until revival comes to the house of God. And that's why we see more and more people walking away because, um, quite frankly, that sin that they don't want to let go of can't stay in the environment that God is moving in the remnant. And watch what happens. He says, when you are spiritually overweight, you're not exercising your faith, and sin is in your life that you're not willing to deal with, it will ensnare you. It will grab you. It will hook you. It will trap you, and you will not be able to run the race. Let's listen to it one more time. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance, the race that is set before us. Notice it didn't say run with a sprint. It said run with endurance. Ministry is a marathon. There'll be some times that you will have to sprint. 
but you but most of your ministry and most of your leadership is a marathon it is the old tortoise in the hare okay you got a bunch of flash in the in uh, flashy preachers quite frankly that have you know become tiktok influencers for the lord and uh, they're going to burn out because there's most of them are you know full of ego and uh, they're just sprinting. They're sprinting. They're trying to get to 100,000 followers. That's what they're sprinting to. They're not sprinting to the gospel. They're not going to make it. They're like that, the rabbit, the hare. He's just wide open, just smoking. And he's just like, man, that guy, that turtle, I ain't seen that turtle in forever. That turtle ain't nowhere ever going to catch me. And, ever, and he just starts laying, sleeping, napping under the tree. And that old turtle just keeps being slowly faithful, just keeps moving, just keeps moving. I want to encourage you to just keep moving. Now watch this. Run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking at Jesus, the author and finisher. God wants us to finish. He doesn't want us to start something and not finish it. Now look where I was going with this whole thing about lead like Jesus. So he tells us to do all that, but then he says, but wait a minute, let me help you a little bit further. All we're doing and all we've been asked to do is to do what Jesus did. He says, looking into Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Can I tell you something? Jesus finished his race. He did not let his circumstances stop him. Now, he struggled. I mean, can you imagine the, the God who became flesh was in that garden of Gethsemane, and he said to his father, when he was praying and the stress was so intense that the his sweat glands oozed blood. The Bible said his sweat became his great drops of blood. And in that anguish, he cries out to God and he says, God, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. So he makes it very, very clear that, you know, the word of God makes it clear that the flesh side of Jesus, the, the body side of Jesus, the brain side of Jesus was trying to war against his purpose, but that his purpose overrode that and rose up and said, not my will, but your will be done. But now some people would say, well, he finished the course at the cross when he said, it is finished. Those three powerful words at the cross, it is finished. Well, he ran the race, listen to me, and finished the course, the race that was set before him in the flesh at the cross, but he was not finished yet. It wasn't enough for the big picture of why he really came to just die. The death had to happen for any of the rest of it to happen, but he still was going to be raised from the dead. And I love this. This is what is illustrated in Hebrews. The joy that was set before him endured the cross, despised the shame, sat down at the right hand of God. Listen, it wasn't finished fully finished until he sat down at the right hand of God because when he sat down at the right hand of God, not much longer after that was when the promise of the Father was sent in Acts chapter 2 and the church was established. So God is encouraging you, minister, stay faithful, follow Jesus. You know, God is simply, if you want to tell it like it is, he's just looking for consistency. You know, I say this humbly, but for over half our ministry, uh, Sandy and I, we were made fun of. We were mocked because we just were never 
your orthodox type pastors, church planners. We didn't have any friends at the beginning. We didn't have, we didn't go to any church planner courses, never read a book on church planning. We had nobody giving us advice. We just knew we heard from God to start a church and, and we was going to preach and we was going to sing. So we was just what down here in the South, we call it, you know, just old podunk, uh, backwoods country. You know, we, our church is known during that time was called the old hay barn. We converted a hay barn, turned into a church. And, you know, we were, the, we were them folks that was having church in a hay barn down in a hole on the side of the road. But man, we had some moves of God. We had some moves of God. And, you know, I remember people hearing rumors of people mocking us, making fun of us. You know, I just never was taken serious um, by any of my peers and things like that. And there was a few times on my flesh, it did bother me. I just kept being consistent. And, you know, quite frankly, in the back of my mind, I just thought, you know, I'll just, I'll never be like those preachers. I'll never, you know, the big time preachers and have these things and all this kind of stuff that, you know, was hard to look at sometimes when you'd see you're, you're being tremendously faithful with very little. And uh, you see people being um, very haphazard with much. And they didn't really appreciate how blessed they were. And it, 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 you have to battle that in the flesh. We, but we just kept, just like that tortoise, just kept going forward, just kept going forward. And here we are now at the time of this recording. don't know when you'll be listening to it, but, you know, we're, we're coming up on 29 years, Pastor, in the church we planted. Sandy and I have been in the ministry for over 30 years, or actually 32, over 32 years of ministry. And, and now a lot of, a lot of pastors look to us. They, they follow us online. They seek out our advice and wisdom and on helping them on certain things. But the reality is this, you know, it's not because we have become anything else other than what we always were. You know, I'm not a theologian. I'll just be transparent right up front with you. I've, I've never been to cemetery. I mean, seminary. <clears throat> Sorry, that just slipped out. Uh, no, no, trust me. I'm not against seminary. I'm not against uh, Christian education. We have a Bible college ourselves and our network. Uh, but, you know, you know, I'm no, I'm, I'm the first generation preacher. Okay. I don't have a father and a grandfather's a preacher. So don't have all that lineage, all, all that DNA that you, that you hear preachers talk about. But one thing I do have, and this is one thing I want to encourage you, is we have just been faithful. We have been consistent. And, and that consistency will create influence because people are not used to people staying in anything that long. And especially pastoring a church and certainly especially pastoring the same church. Uh, the longer you can stand and the longer you can fight for where you think that God sent you, um, the influence comes. So I'm trying to say this to you is that God's not really looking for super educated, uh, even super talented. He's looking for people to be super consistent, show up every day, just like that tortoise, keep going, know that you've got a, a finish line coming up, know that it won't be long, uh, till all of this thing will wind, wind down. So the enemy's trying to wear you down. The, tr- the enemy is trying to make you tired and more than anything. The enemy is trying to distract you because that's one of the things that tiredness will do. It will distract you. Your mind cannot function the way it needs to function. And if there's ever been a time that we need leaders to be awake, to be focused, 
focused on the finish line, which of course is the return of Jesus Christ. We don't get to sit down. We don't get to quit. Jesus said, work while it is day, for the night comes when no man can work. Ministers, leaders, pastors, fivefold ministry gifts, be strong in the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for them right now. I declare right now in the name of Jesus, strength is coming into their bodies, strength is coming into their minds to run the race, to keep focused because they are remnant and they are not alone and they are rising up. And that's what this podcast is all about, to equip the remnant, to equip you. For our God will complete that which he has begun in you. I love you, leaders. I'm here for you. Check us out, LarryRaglin.tv, for my other podcasts as well besides this one, YouTube channels. Follow us. Give us a five-star review. See you next time.